Cool. All right, so um, we have finished off our study of um, looking at the life of Abraham and we embark on a new focus or a new study um, looking at family um, over the next couple of weeks, which kind of stems off, you know, what we've been, um, what we've just studied in the seminar about marriage and dating, about love. Um, and I guess we sort of see the next step of that really in the family, um, in, you know, a marriage in a husband, between a husband and a wife, um, between the kids. Um, but, you know, over the next coming, coming weeks, you know, we'll see different portions and I guess we can go into more detail, more depth about what it is and what a, a Christian um, family looks like and, and what a Christian husband, what a Christian wife, um, their responsibilities and duties, what, what we are to be, um, what we are to carry out in the family. So, um, you know, tonight we sort of start off and we look at, you know, this family or how, I guess, how we are to be accountable for one another and how we are to stir one another within the family. Um, we, I think we've studied this portion a number of times and, you know, it's always been about us and, and really is, it is a portion that reflects on who, uh, your, relationship, your relationship between you and God. Um, but, you know, I think it's sort of to sort of tie it all in with the, the focus being family. We'll kind of see how that, towards the end of it, how it relates to us in a, in a Christian household, how it relates to us in a, in a Christian family environment. I think all of us here, um, you know, we've been raised in a Christian family. We've been raised um, by Christian parents. Uh, at the very least, we've had exposure to attending church. So we know what it is to be, to have those foundations, you know, of, of Christian principles, you know. Um, we know that we kind of know what's right and what's wrong. And when we're at church, we know what's right. But when we step outside of those, you know, that family or that church environment, we know that we are exposed to something completely different. We know that we are surrounded by a society that um, it, it is just, you know, it, it's basically a, a society that lives um, in sin, right? It's, it's just, it's corrupted, um, we see that corruption right throughout, you know, throughout everything that we're exposed to. So it's almost impossible in, in today's world, it's almost impossible to go, you know, without being exposed to such corruption. Um, we are exposed to it in social media. You know, that's the key thing. Um, we are exposed to it in the things that we watch on the telly, um, you know, the things that we see on, on the internet. And as technology advances, you know, it becomes easier and easier for us to have that, to have access to it. You know, it's almost like we can't escape it now. I mean, we all carry phones here. It's like, you know, it's with us 24-7. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, except that, you know, sometimes we get so easily distracted by what's happening, what's trending, you know, what's happening on social media that we forget or we lose focus on the important things. You know, spending time with God, we can get so easily distracted by, you know, we waste time basically on social media rather than spending it, um, you know, with the time um, for God. So um, these things can be really harmful for us, especially the type of material that we get exposed to because, you know, we have so many things, um, you know, being exposed to us, so many things before us. Um, that a lot of it is not good for us as a, as, a, as a believer in our Christian walk. Um, 
You know, in tonight's passage, you know, it's something that we've studied. It's something that we all know. It's a very well-known portion. Um, you know, we are called to be living sacrifices. We are called to this lifestyle um, before God. Um, and I think as we study it and, and we relate it back to the family, we really relate the act of worship within a family household. Um, I think the takeaway message for tonight is that we ought to consider our families, our loved ones, um, our church, with the hope that everything that we do, the acts that we do, reflect Christ. You know, that, that, that it all points to Christ. Um, whether we're, you know, at home, in our rooms, at the dinner table, um, in the car, you know, at church, outside of church, it all needs to reflect to Christ. It all needs to reflect to Christ. And, um, you know, that's the responsibility for us, you know, um, that we are accountable and, and we sort of, um, you know, influence and we um, help our brothers, our sisters, our, our parents to, to basically point them to Christ, to say, this is what Christ is about. I glorify Christ in my life. And, and it's important to, to, to remind ourselves of that because the home is the, the place where we feel most comfortable, right? The home is our, is our comfort. The home is um, where we can feel relaxed. Um, but the home should also be a place where we impact, where we influence. You know, it should be a place where we, um, you know, it's, it's a place where we reside with our loved ones. And if we cannot love God before our loved ones, then how are we going to go into a world that hates us? And, and how are we going to go into a world and, and show that we love God? Right. So the home is where we need to start. The home is where we need to influence first. And, you know, the point that Paul is making in this portion is that the believer should not be conformed to the things of this world. The believer shouldn't follow the things of this world, shouldn't do the things of this world, but rather that the believer should live a holy and acceptable life before God. And in doing so, um, if they live this holy and acceptable life before God, it proves to people around him, it proves to people around us that God is in our life, that God is first in our life. So like I said, it's a portion that we've studied before. It's a portion that we all know, you know, living sacrifices. We'll come to it, you know, we've studied it countless times when we're going through the book of Romans. It's a heavy portion. But I just want to remind you guys, just because we've studied it and just because we know it doesn't mean that we, we know all that there is to know about this portion. It is something that we'll have to keep coming back to, keep coming, keep meditating on it for the rest of our lives. It is something that is heavy to really take on board. It's not something that is light. It's like, I know what that portion is. I get it. I understand it. Applying it, practicing it, that's the hard part. And it's something that we always have to be reminded of. The cost of following Christ is heavy. It's not something light. So verse 1, he starts, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice. So if you recall when we were studying the book of Romans and we went through chapter by chapter um, a while ago, um, you know, the first 11 chapters was, was basically Paul setting up what's happened to, to mankind and, and what's happened to the relationship between God and mankind. And it's basically he's, he's, he's going through it and he's setting up, you know, this, you know, the state that we're in. 
but the wonderful work of salvation that has come about through Jesus Christ. And he reminds us, and he starts off in chapters 1, to, um, one and 2, about the wrath of God toward uh, the fallen um, humanity, about how just unlawful, um, unrighteous mankind has become. That they just, you know, they have fallen into this pit and, and God has basically handed them over to their sin and they just, they just go further and further into sin and they become an ungodly people. And Paul goes on and, and he reminds, the, reminds the, um, the reader, the audience, that because of that unrighteousness, because of the ungodliness of people, and it gets worse and worse, they have judgment awaiting them. They have a, a wrath, a holy wrath that, that will come about by God. And, and you know, and it's this sort of, um, you know, Paul is basically setting this thing up where he's like, no one is holy. Everyone has fallen. Everyone has, has gone astray. Everyone by their own, by their own ways have, have gone away from God. He's, he's basically setting up to, to, um, for, so that the audience or the reader can understand that there is no one who is righteous, that there is no one who is holy. Everyone has fallen. No one can do anything about salvation. They can't save themselves. All that awaits is God's wrath upon them. And then in chapter 3, he brings Christ into the picture. He brings Jesus Christ and he tells the audience, this is Jesus who's saved. This is Jesus who's the propitiation for us. He is the, the perfect sacrifice. He's the one that has saved us sinners. And because of this, God has taken away that wrath, that wrath that was for us as the sinner is now on Christ and he's taken that wrath. And then from chapter three onwards, he begins to, you know, unravel these, these mercies of God as he puts us, as he puts it, these things that he's given us to us as believers, that he's given us faith, that he's given us peace because we're no longer at war with God. That he's given us a new life, that he's given us a new creation, that he's made us alive in God, that we are no longer slaves to sin, that he has given us his Holy Spirit, that he has given us and shown us this everlasting love. And in chapter 11, the, the prior portion, he talks about how we as the Gentiles are grafted in now to the remnant. Now we're grafted into his, to, to be a part of his people. And because of that, we are made his sons. Um, we have this sonship because of God and he has given us righteousness and he has forgiven our sins and he has um, given us uh, reconciliation to have this restored relationship with God. And so chapters 1 to 11, he's telling us about all these mercies that you can never attain salvation on your own. But yet Jesus Christ came and he was the propitiation and he has made and he has restored that relationship between you and God. And he goes into all these great details. The mercies of God, the mercies of God. God has been merciful to mankind. God has sent Jesus Christ to save us. All these things that we were so undeserving of. And then he says in chapter 12, because of this, therefore, that word therefore, linking everything back to what we've just seen. And therefore, because of this, because of what he has established, because of the wonderful mercies of Jesus Christ, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, Paul is saying, because of all these wonderful things that God has given us, because of all these wonderful things that God has given to you, dedicate your life to Him. 
That should be our only response to hearing these wonderful news. Dedicate your life to him. Offer your life, offer your body as a living sacrifice. And that's where it starts. The first point it starts with the body. God wants your body in holiness, not just your spirit and mind. We'll go, we'll get into that, but he wants your body. And this is talking about sanctification. This is talking about holiness. This isn't talking about your physical looks, your physique. Um, this is not talking about that. This is talking about your acts, your acts. Notice how he goes and, and starts talking about the sacrifice the word the living sacrifice, which is borrowing the terminology from the Old Testament. Um, you remember in the Old Testament, even when we were studying Abraham, there was always a sacrifice that needed to take place um, for the sins of people. So the people would bring a, an animal to the priest and it would be slain and it would be offered up by the priest to God. And that was basically um, you know, a way of appeasing God's wrath against the people's sin, the people's sin in their life. And so God, by accepting the slain animal, it was symbolic of him basically saying, you know, I'm accepting this death of an animal as a substitution for your sin so that my wrath is appeased, my wrath upon you is no longer there. Um, and that way he could continue having that or the people could continue having a relationship with God. But it was always flawed because it was an animal and an animal could only do so much. It was always something that was, you know, that they needed to repeat time and time again. It wasn't that perfect sacrifice. And so the whole, you know, the Old Testament is basically leading up. It's a blueprint. It's leading up to Jesus Christ, that perfect sacrifice, the one who could wipe away all sin, past, present and future. The one who could do something about our righteousness. And this is where we see the perfect sacrifice the perfect work of jesus christ first corinthians 5 7 says christ our passover lamb has been sacrificed it was in christ he was the sacrifice he was the perfect one he was the one who made it sufficient for all of us he died for our sins and because he finished that work um uh, sorry he died for our sins and it was he who finished that work and we cannot add anything to that we cannot improve that sacrifice we cannot do it we cannot add anything to it because it was perfect and so now we have the old covenant which was made obsolete through jesus christ and now we have this new covenant that we are no longer offering dead sacrifices but now what's required of us is living sacrifices and that is to offer up our bodies right to offer up our bodies before god why? Because um, our sins were paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, it means that God owns us. He paid for us. God owns us and he, we belong to him now. Our whole being belongs to him. Again, it's not talking about the physical, the exterior, the physical body, what we look like, but rather how we carry ourselves, how we behave how we live our lives. This is the spiritual act of worship that he goes on to say. This is, it's basically your living. Your living reflects how much you love God. So what Paul is saying is your lifestyle ought to demonstrate that you belong to God, that God is your everything. What should come out of us should be praise and worship to Christ. Anything that doesn't bring that, anything that dishonors Christ, we need to put an end to. 1 John 2.16 says, 
For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is of this world. And this is a struggle for us, right? This is the biggest struggle. The three things that, that bring us down, the three things that, that you know, we constantly battle, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. The desires of the flesh, what makes us feel satisfied? What makes us feel good? You know, what, what is those hard things that we, we, we struggle to control? Whether it's sexual sin, whether it's violence, whether it's hatred, whether it's gossiping, whether it's swearing, whether it's drug use. These are the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes. You know, it's things that we shouldn't be looking at. It's things that we're, we're lusting over, something, that, something or someone that, that's not rightfully ours, that we want, that we look at, and we shouldn't be. The pride of life, um, desiring more glory, desiring more power, having an ego when instead we're called to be humble. You know, these are the things that the flesh, the eyes, the pride of life, these are the things that we struggle with. It, and, and we live in a society that it makes it so normal. You know, they glorify these things. Oh, no, you should have an ego. Oh, no, you can look at that, you know. You know, you can be exposed to these sort of things. Yeah, you, you can, um, you know, do drugs. That's a good thing. That's, uh, that's an excellent thing. Everybody else is doing it. We live in a society where it all points to those things and, 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 and they look upon that as a good thing. But Paul is saying here, put that aside. Do not conform to this world. Bring your bodies into submission and make it a sacrifice. Whatever your body does, Make sure that it is holy and acceptable to God. Romans 6 chapter th um, verse 13 says, Do not present your members, your body members, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as though have been brought from death to life, as your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So he's saying, your body members, don't let it be used for sin, but let it be used for righteousness. Your eyes, your feet, your hands, your tongue, your body, all of it needs to work to righteousness, not sin. This is what God is calling off. And we are called to do good. And, and not so that, you know, it's a means to gain salvation, but rather because he's already done the work in us, he has already saved us. We are to live a life that reflects that, reflects his glory, reflects his praise. We are not. Of our own, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about how God has bought us with a price and that we need to glorify God with our bodies. We need to glorify God with our bodies. This is not an easy thing to do. We need to reveal to the world just how much Christ really is worth to us. <coughs> yes, we have a constant battle with sin um, every day. But do you let sin have its way? Do you let sin have its way? <coughs> so the question is, how do we then use our bodies for the glory of God? Because we all struggle with it. We all struggle with sin. How do we make, the, how do we make this change? You know, how is it that we get out of that slumber of sin? How is it that we stop doing what it is that we're doing? How do we do that? Verse 2 gives us the answer. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So two things. Number one, stop following the things of this world. Basically, be aware of what you see, what you listen to and what you believe in, because the world is enticing. 
The world will speak to what we want to hear. And Paul is saying, stop following that. Stop listening to those things. And the second thing is to renew your mind. Renew your mind. Once again, the only way we can renew our mind is when we replace what is untrue with what is truth. And that is in the word of God. When we are saturated with the word of God, when we you know, just meditate on it and, and this becomes our all, then we can distinguish between what is fake and what is true, what is genuine and what is a lie. But he comes back to the word of God and there's no shortcuts here. It, there's not, it's not like you can go to a service and be slain in the spirits or speaking tongues or, or have someone pray over you and, and it's an automatic fix. No, it's a constant work. It's a constant process. There's no shortcuts. We need to be disciplined in that. Disciplined to, to study the word of God daily. So when it comes to things in our lives, we can know and say, yes, this is holy and pleasing before God or say, no, this is sinful and this will bring dishonor to my God and I need to move away from it. This is what we need to do. This is what Paul is calling us to do before God. Keep presenting yourselves, our bodies in worship before God. And we are to reprogram our mind. We need to reprogram our minds to be fixed upon God and not to the things of this world. So I'll finish with this. How does this relate to families? How does this relate to families? Because it's really, you know, it, it, it's really at the moment, it's just your life and God. Your life and God. Well, I think... We need to first cultivate this type of lifestyle in our families. We really need to cultivate this type of lifestyle in our family. Like I said at the start, our family, our loved ones, that's where we feel most comfortable. That's where we can be ourselves. But we need to be ourselves in a manner that is pleasing to God. If we're being ourselves and we're just relaxing and doing our own thing and living a life of sin, how are we going to go into the world and really show that? We belong to God. How are we going to go into the world to a place that's full of corruption, full of sin, to a place where people hate us and, and be that shining light? We need to cultivate this, this lifestyle of worship, of, 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 of living sacrifices within the family first and be accountable, you know, to sort of set the example and, and, and watch over one another and and. and be careful of what we bring into the family, of what things we allow within the family. Um, you know, the things that we hear as a family, things that we watch as a family. To, to sort of be that, be that light there, there and then. You know, to say no when it's gone too far. You know, to, if we claim to be followers of, of, of Christ, then all areas of our lives should reflect it. And it starts with the family. We need to bring honor and glory to Christ within the family, within the home. And that may mean that, you know, they may mock us. They may look at us funny. They might sort of say, you know, you're different. Who are you? Like, um, they'll laugh at us. But it's for the glory of Christ. And this is what we're called to do as Christians, as believers. We need to discipline our bodies and bring that before God. Let's pray.